0: Hey, remember that time in Dragon Ball Z when Goku went Super Saiyan? Well, Charles Leclerc's just had his moment. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Damn, and we didn't even need the murder of Krillin to get there. Welcome to episode 382 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. Good to have you with us. And, uh, well... Just when you thought Ferrari was getting back into this title race, I can I remember seeing podcasts saying, "Hey, it's Ferrari back!" You know, it's Ferrari on the momentum. They've won the last two. They're coming to France, and you thought, "Hey, maybe they're just starting to get their shit together." Um, well, oh, Charles. Yeah, it's uh, this, is not, this. This wasn't pretty if you're a Ferrari fan. And, and, and stop me if you've heard that one before this season. Charles Leclerc leading comfortably, and until he wasn't, Max Verstappen takes his seventh win out of the first twelve rounds we've had so far this season. And uh, it, well, it already feels like uh, a death sentence for this title fight. But we'll break down how we got to this point and talk about the French Grand Prix in general for Formula One. But with me is my esteemed guests as ever. First up, Mr. R.J. O'Connell. Hello, sir.
1: Welcoming myself back from a wonderful weekend in Watkins Glen, New York. Mm. uh, uh, Not a potential future Formula One return venue, I I do have to say. Uh, Because the reality is, while the village of Watkins Glen is charming, and there is wonderful history, and it's a great racetrack, uh, I think we all know very well that uh, that the city of Corning, New York, and its surrounding villages are not necessarily what Formula One views as destinations the way that Miami, Austin, and Las Vegas are. On the other hand, they do have like one ice cream parlor per square block, and I and I just think that's, that's a better deal. I also saw a double rainbow out of this whole
0: exchange. It's great. Double rainbow, wow. <laughs> I've not heard that phrase in years. My god. Also, any racetrack or any... Pretty much anywhere in the world that has an ice cream parlor, every every block, is something I can get behind, certainly. F1 to Watkins Glen, everybody. Love that track, though. Also with me, Cam Buckley. Hello, sir.
2: What we all heard on Sunday was the sound of defeat.
1: <laughs> I tried to tell him. I tried to tell everyone. I would like to make an apology. I, I, I would like to say that um, I, I'm now going through my uh, my my cabinet of red lean, uh, and and I'm debating whether or not to just pour it. No, no, the no, grain. no. It's all
2: been recalled. It's all been taken back and drank in all in one giant gulp by Mattia
0: Bonotto. Italian JJ Abrams out here going through it. It's, oh uh, it's, That's harsh um, on JJ Abrams. <laughs> We like J.J. Abrams for the most part. I know it's it's. it's Do we? It's, it's, Do we? That's news to me, Harrison. More than Bonotto, I reckon. <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> There's rankings. There's levels to this cam. There's levels to this. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, just like the levels of um Cam's primal scream into the micro. Is that a new podcast thread now? Replicating Charles Leclerc's scream. Is that going viral? <laughs> like, is, oh is no, that... no,
2: that was well except charles was screaming in pain i was
0: laughing and uh well is this going to be like the podcast equivalent of the tortilla challenge is that it <laughs> oh god <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay
1: okay future suggestions for content uh motorsport 101 one ship challenge <laughs> Not, no no write that no down.
2: you know what? you know what
0: that can be a uh, that can be a patreon goal <laughs> get back to 200 bucks a month and eats the one chip. Did I just say that out loud? <sighs> oh no. Yes, you did. Motorsport101.com, be...
1: patreon.com <laughs> forward slash motorsport101 uh, get us all to eat one very spicy chip.
0: Because oh, I mean, what no. we are going to do?
1: Do the one chip challenge if Mercedes want to pace, race on pace alone? <laughs> oh, uh, no, God. I think that's when we turn this into
2: a motorsport version of Hot Ones. <laughs> I've done the last dab, of Apollo. Let me
1: tell you. It's uh, it's hot. (laughs) Really.
0: (laughs) i never guessed.
1: (laughs) Trey, uh, I take it we're talking about the French Grand Prix. The Grand Prix Mm. du Francais. The granddaddy of them all. The
0: original. The best. The French Grand Prix. Yes, we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about the primal scream heard around the world as Charles Leclerc spins out of what was looking like another potential Ferrari win, and how it's had a catastrophic effect on their championships. Uh, we'll be talking all about that and the uh, changing game at Ferrari. We'll be talking about Mercedes, double podium, their first of the year, second and third for Hamilton, celebrating his 300th Grand Prix this weekend with a second-place finish and an ice pop, or frozen-flavoured ice in a stick, depending on what part of the UK you call it. Because like there was massive debates on English Twitter regarding what you call them. It's like when we debate what bread rolls are. It's like, it's so regional at this point, it's ridiculous. But we're talking about that and the double podium the Mercedes had. Like, are they actually going to win a race this year? Are they actually gaining ground here? Interesting conversations there. And we'll be talking about, well, France is spot on the calendar in general. because There's been a lot of discourse about the future of this race at Paul Ricard. Um, that and a couple of other more historical venues that could be going pretty soon. We'll be talking about that and the changing faces of the calendar coming up over the next 30, 40 minutes or so. But places you can find us in the meantime are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, twitter at motorsport underscore 101. If you would at the follow our personal handles, you can at harrison101hd, at RJ O'Connell, and at cbuckley Nine One Seven. <clears throat> ooh, sorry, I had to cut the cough a bit there. Um, the neighbors have got very... I broke out the herbal cigarettes again. Um, ooh, caught me out for a second there. Um, you also... Go ask them if they could pass that through the internet,
1: please. <laughs> we, 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 need a,
0: we, we, we need a blunt... We need a fat blunt right now. Um, but uh, yeah, also, I was going to say as well. Um, yeah. Also, we've got our website, motorsport101.com. You can uh, check us out on there for written pieces on everything this this weekend, including the French Grand Prix and IndyCar's double header at Iowa. Very, very interesting Grand Prix, a uh, pair of Grand Prix there. I and mean, that'll be the next episode as well if you're listening to these in, in uh, chronological order, as you probably should be. But uh, that'll be coming up next time round. Safe to say it was the weekend of Joseph Newgarden, but more on that next time round. But uh, also, on top of that, again, as RJ alluded to, patreon.com forward slash motorsport one if you want to back us financially on there and help us out. Apparently, now if we go over 200 bucks, I will now eat a hot chip. So there you go. If, if, if you really, if you really want to experience me going through it, give us your money, basically. So um, enjoy that prospect. But uh, while you think about that, let's sit down and let's talk about the French Grand Prix.
1: That's right, fellas. Um, Charles Leclerc might have just kissed his championship hopes goodbye with, as Dre puts it, a primal screen that wouldn't sound out of place on an episode of Dragon Ball Z, handled yep. by any dubbing company, whether that's the Ocean dub or the Funimation dub that followed. Mm. Uh, lap 18 of the French Grand Prix, Charles Leclerc is a 10-second lead. He's pushing a response to Max Verstappen attempting an undercut behind him, and just when everything looked like it was under control, Leclerc spins out of the bottom of the Mistral Straight into the wall and out of the race, a race that Mattsford Stappen would go on to dominate from that point, extending his championship lead to 63 points with 10 races left, one of them coming up this coming weekend, probably by the time you're listening to it. So, <sighs> Dre, for real, is this the end of Charles Leclerc's championship chances? In the year of our Luigi, 2022.
0: If this was a game of snooker, I'd be saying we're in the snooker's required stage here. This is now, but even mathematically, Charles Leclerc could conceivably win all 10 of the remaining races on the calendar and still not win the championship, depending on where the fastest lap goes and what happens with the final sprint in Brazil later on this year. So there is mathematical scenarios where Leclerc could clean house... Break Vettel's record of winning 10, and it still might not be enough. And at this point, it's not even necessarily how good Charles is. It's also the fact that Max Verstappen is just so good. Like Verstappen, he he won the World Championship last year, ignoring all the Michael Massey jokes. He won the championship last year by basically giving Hamilton essentially virtually no breathing room whatsoever. You had to force him to be perfect, essentially every weekend, in order to get, the, in order to really gain ground. He didn't give Hamilton any gimmies over the course of the season to take major points out of him. Like to put it into perspective, we sat here after Australia, and that was April nineteenth. That was oh the- yeah, we were high on the red lean after yeah, Australia. That- yeah, we-, we asked this exact same question after just three rounds we <laughs> <Oui. laughs> all, right. all right uncle phil calm down over there um no i gonna say it's like uh, the question was asked three months ago in australia about this and like at that point max verstappen was 46 points off the top of the championship 46 he's now 63 in front we've had a 109 point swing in the last nine races, in Verstappen's favor.
2: Let me, let me, let me just reel this off for the uh, for, for, for those listening. Uh, Max Verstappen's finishing record as of this year. Uh, retired from second, first. Retired from second. First, first, first. Third, first, first. Damage while leading dropped into p second, first. Yeah, There's just not a lot There's there's not a lot you can do about that And Charles did the work in qualifying With, with a little help from a friend And he had Max Covered but if not truly under control Because Max is probably Going to jump him with the undercut anyway uh, the, I believe the plan was for Charles To go another 5-6 laps and then come back At Max with fresher tires mm. Whether he would have been able to do that is irrelevant What is relevant is all these points. Trey, what do you always say?
0: A phrase I borrowed from Adam Johnson in his days on this podcast. You don't win your championships on your good days. You win them on your bad ones. And Verstappen, he's had a couple of bad days in there. You know, he's had two mechanical DNFs of his own. He he was very unlucky to have driven over a huge hunk of debris. At Silverstone, and despite that, he has a sixty-three point lead. It just yeah, go- the, it, the it, two it, it,
2: mechanicals, basically. If if you cancel out the two mechanicals, it's still a huge gap in Verstappen's favor. And right, that's just the thing: is that that you win your titles on your worst days. That goes for the team and the person behind the wheel. Right. And when the person behind the wheel makes a mistake, look, Charles owned it. He said he just dropped it. He yep. dropped the car carrying too much speed through the corner and gave up probably t- whether he would have won the race is kind of irrelevant, a minimum of 18 points.
0: Sure. Second, the worst I would argue. Second, at absolute, at absolute
2: worst, because those two were a mile and a stretch clear of the field.
0: Yep. Uh, on Sunday.
2: Um, That's when you need the strength of your team and the strength of the reliability of your car to cushion that blow. And that just hasn't been that for Ferrari this year. When you add up all the mechanicals and all the strategic blunders, and then a major mistake here and a minor mistake in Imola costs about seven points, you get a 109-point swing.
0: 109. That's that, that, that's suicide from a championship fighting standpoint. You can't afford to give up that sort of margin at any point. Like, not to, not to this team. Red Bull are still arguably the best-run team in Formula 1 right now, and they have, in my opinion, the best racing driver on the planet in Max Verstappen. Like, he is the complete all-rounder at this point. He doesn't have bad days very often. You have to punish him when they come, and he's had them. It's not like... like Verstappen drew no fault of his he did. own. He's hardly He's, he been did. floored. <laughs> he did the first
2: two rounds. Charles won both of the races Max re- retired from. But mm. then the haunts around him caused him uh, arguably a surefire win in Silverstone after Max had hit Debris, destroyed his floor. Mercedes did not have the pace and still doesn't have the pace to really challenge in a straight-up just dogfight. And they favored signs. Got him his first win at the cost of Charles dropping off the podium.
0: Mm. Mm. Just it's just it's the culmination of just multiple errors and the extra pressure that those errors generate. And look, I saw some articles from journals that, in my opinion, really should know better. And also, people like Kravitz was asking to Christian Horner just stupid questions about oh, is Charles Leclerc a crasher and it's the same narrative we've had with Ferrari for years where the drivers take the brunt of the criticism whenever they're whenever they screw up Charles Leclerc has been incredible in his Ferrari career incredible from the day from the day he debuted in 2019 and this is coming from me a feud Sebastian Vettel fan I don't have a single shred of of bitterness regarding that man, because he's that fucking good. He's a, he is a generational talent. Don't let the win count fool you. He is an incredible driver. When Sebastian Vettel signed his leave-in helmet, gave to him and said he's the most talented driver he'd seen in 15 years, He's he was probably right.
2: and but there's one problem. There's two problems. He ain't Max Verstappen.
0: Yeah. And Stappen, mm.
2: if you're not Max Verstappen, you need a team at the top of its game. And right now, Ferrari just isn't. Because like, you know what it feels like? It feels like a condensed version of everything Ferrari was from 2016 to 2019. Where even if they did have the fastest car on the day, and even if, you know... The talent of the drivers in that period, Sebastian Vettel, Kimi Räikkönen, and Charles Leclerc, is above reproach. No matter what people like to say about them, sure. That's five. What's, the,
1: what's the, yeah? Sorry. What the stat that I wanted to bring up was that um, they both have the same number of pole positions. For Sebastian, twenty-seven career wins. Charles Leclerc is five.
2: Yeah, and that's not all on.
1: And that, that's uh, that not, all on not all on Charles.
2: But the point yeah. I'm getting to is that what it feels like we're watching right now is uh, other than the fact that clearly Ferrari was beginning to steer away from supporting Vettel, Ferrari still wholly support Leclerc. And there's still this much of a train wreck. Because what they're squandering with this car, to to take a quote from the hyphen, to to squander what they are with this car, which is objectively an excellent chassis, is criminal.
0: It's an excellent car. Incredibly fast. It's an fast. excellent
2: car driven by two excellent drivers, and yet the, the weaknesses and the fragility of everything around them, from the fragility of the pit wall, the the consistency of the blunders on the pit wall, combined with the unreliability of the car, mean that Charles and Signs are having to go, they have to go make the difference on the track, and they have to go drive out of their minds. Charles Leclerc was driving at 11 tenths, pretty much all day on Sunday.
0: And eventually it bites you. Yeah, he's fuming. And all this talk from people like Ted Kravitz suggesting Charles Leclerc is a crasher is complete horseshit for what it's worth. Like, like he is such an incredible talent. He is a top three driver in the world right now. And the moment the like this is the biggest screw up he's had in the car all year. Like, Imola was a minor screw-up that cost him three spots. It wasn't a deal-breaker by any stretch. It wasn't a disaster. It was a minor mistake. This was the first time he's had a catastrophic one at Ferrari for quite some time, probably since the since the teammate whack at Austria, right? But to say that he's but, a but crash that a the cost thing. points is, is, is nonsense.
2: But that's just the thing, is when you're in a championship battle up against... Red Bull, who after their early season problem seem to have gotten on top of reliability, and Max, who just he, he doesn't need to go drive at 10 tenths every lap, every race, because he's got a comfortable cushion. And he can have confidence in his pit wall that they're gonna make the right decision more often than not. And he can have confidence in his car that well, at least since uh at least in similar that's probably gonna make the flag. And all those points. The the mistakes behind the wheel and the mistakes on the pit wall and the mistakes in quality control back at Maranello and the factory, they all add up. Uh, They are not the hallmarks of a championship combination.
1: They're the hallmarks of a team that is basically the biggest running meme of Formula One social media this past decade.
2: They're the exact same team they were when Seb was there. The car's fast. They're paying you a lot of money. The rest is up to you, pal.
0: I can't believe we're doing this again with Ferrari. And like so, like I said, people people were asking. Like, well, you know, said to me on Twitter at the time when they were, when I was talking about that screen, I, I literally somebody said to me I think it was Johnson on Twitter said to me, Dre, when was the last time somebody had that sort of reaction to an incident?" And I said to him, um, "Charles Leclerc four rounds ago at Monaco. It's not wow. this, like like this is <laughs> pretty this, like, much." That screams a lot of things. It's not a surprise if you've been paying attention. Like, and I, and I don't get me wrong, I was cracking all the jokes. I just said, oh, my God, Android 16's been murdered. It's like, it's, if you yeah, know, you know. But,
2: and again, like, Mattia Bonato, who is just the biggest horse shit peddler in all of, all of Formula 1.
0: And that takes some doing. More really
2: more, more, than Christian Horner and Toto Wolf, because you know what? I think most of the time, Horner and Toto, they don't believe. They're just cutting promos They're, they're, on each they're other. cutting promos. They don't believe what they're saying. I think Mattia really does. He said a few rounds ago, look, the goal this year was to be competitive. It was not to go for a title. And then after Charles had made the mistake, Afterwards, he says, oh, there's no reason we can't win every remaining round. I'm like,
0: get off the narcotic. It's just it's like, it's like, what is it? He's, 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 he talks like another politician. It's just like, you sit there and it's like, look, this is objectively still a really good season for Ferrari on paper compared to last year. They are definitely... Compared to
1: last year The bar is is resting somewhere Beneath the crust, beneath the mantle Beneath the inner core
2: Compared to last year and the year before Where they completely botched the power unit Completely botched the chassis Completely botched their relationship with Sebastian Vettel To the point where Sebastian Vettel sold Most of his Ferrari collection Right He didn't even want to look at the logo in his home (laughs) (laughs) And Now you are squandering you're squandering a phenomenal car and Charles is having to overdrive to the point where he's making mistakes because he doesn't have that support from the team. Yeah. Not in the sense of not being behind him, but he has to do it all himself. And And if nothing else with Mercedes hmm. and Mercedes on their championship run and with Red Bull with theirs, (sighs) here's a great, here's a neat audible for you. Sure. Carlos Sainz arguing with his strategist while in the middle of a actual wheel-to-wheel fight with Sergio Perez during the race. He had to correct his he had to correct his engineer on what kind of penalty he had because let's not forget they also botched Carlos Sainz's race with a slow pit stop and a resulting uh, unsafe release when he drove right into the path of Alex Albon. Yeah. In addition to the power unit penalty from his power unit committing uh external combustion unit in I
1: think Austria. I once said, like earlier this year when things were going good, that Ferrari remembered who they were. They remembered that they are the most successful and the proudest and the most, and the biggest and the hugest Formula One team. And lately, I feel like Ferrari remembered who they were in the sense that they were. a a team that builds great cars and hires great drivers and is an operational tire fire, which is what they've been uh, for most of the Sebastian Bell years, arguably most of the Alonzo years.
2: I'd say pretty pretty much much from from 2009 onwards with the, I mean, the the thing is in the Alonzo era is that more often than not, you'd have a pretty good operational side and then just poor cars, uh, 2010 and first half of 2013, notwithstanding. And then when they, re- <sighs> they when they burned the team to the ground in 2014, it's like they fired a lot of the wrong people in the operational side, and only hired the right people when they are you know designing the car, you know. Other than 2018, when you ship your chief designer off to Alfa Romeo in the middle of a
1: title fight, yeah, all it's for d- the benefit of the guy who just crashed out of the lead in the French Grand Prix,
0: <sighs> yeah. And Carlos Sainz, who, as mentioned, drove phenomenally well this weekend, given the circumstances. Um, should have been on the podium from the back of the field. Didn't. Ended up fifth with the fastest lap. Just chucking away more points. It's just...
2: It's, I'm saying, this now sets them with an 82-point gap to Red Bull and the Constructors, which is... Yeah, it's not unassailable, but it's not good,
0: is it? It's, it's almost two rounds. It's... It, you can't afford to give Red Bull that sort of luxury. Like... Sergio Perez was crap this weekend by his standards, right? But that's not been the norm for Perez this year. He will bounce back. I have no doubt on that. Like, this was was still an opportunity to take some serious points out of Red Bull this weekend. I don't think Red Bull were as good as Ferrari this weekend on paper. I think it would have been certainly a very close fight. At worst, this was a chance. A big chance. At worst, you
2: should have had two cars. At at worst, you probably should have had two cars on the podium. One, with Leclerc at least, and if signs hadn't gotten hosed by uh, the resultant safety car when Charles went out and then the botch pit stop. Yeah.
0: He had the speed. Yeah, it's like, even with an an error from Charles that wasn't directly on Ferrari itself, we still find a way to to talk about how disappointing they were for a good 20 plus minutes, because we all know that Charles is not really the issue here. It's funny how these things turn out. (laughs) That's right.
1: That's right. And we also realized that you know Matt Sverrason has sold out his driving style. He's he's nothing but you know a, a boring front runner. He, he's actually he's, driving really well. He's he's doing the job.
2: Yeah, uh, just uh, a, a newie champion, therefore uh, worthless.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you all want to feel old. Go all want to feel really old. Uh, oh yeah. This was this was Lewis Hamilton's 300th Grand Prix this weekend. Oh, he finished it with a season best. Second place finish, and George Russell finished behind him in third, with a little bit of chirpiness along the way for George Russell. Uh, and for all of that effort, Hamilton finished 10 seconds behind Verstappen, uh, something that Christian Horton uh, commented on. He said, I think in the end, Max was reasonably comfortable. But you can see they're chipping away at it, they're getting closer. I hear Toto said they're going to work throughout the summer break to improve the car, which would, of course, be illegal. You can see they're getting closer and closer. End quote. That was Christian Horner about the prospects of his great rivals at Mercedes-AMG. So, fellas, does Mercedes want to race this year? Uh,
2: on merit, probably not. Um, You know, this track suits them about, like, it's here, Silverstone, and then probably Suzuka suit them more than any other tracks that we're going to have this year, given the the limitations of the W13. And uh, they got curb stomped in qualifying. Absolutely fucking slaughtered by nearly a second. And then in the race, they probably looked a little better than they were. Um, They are making progress. They're pulling eh, 10th. Half a tenth out of them every couple races. Uh, They had another big upgrade set this year. All three teams did at the front. But they're the only team I've ever seen that can get curb stomped by a second in qualifying, be missing the better part of half a second in the race, and still be tipped as a win threat everywhere we go.
1: And I think it's because we don't I think a lot of people don't want to give up hope that the best years that look, I think a lot of people would are glad that like Mercedes isn't dominating the rate that they did uh, for many of these years. But I think a lot of people, especially the way last year ended, do not want to do not want to face a prospect that we've already seen Lewis Hamilton's last victory.
2: Max Verstappen really said under new management. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Mm. And that's just the thing is that Mercedes, if Mercedes are going to get beaten that badly in qualifying consistently, it's always going to give you more work to do on Sunday. When you, the Ferrari is definitively quicker in the corners. The Red Bulls definitively quicker in a straight line. And there was a period in that race where they were about, they had hemorrhaged out about six seconds to the leaders. Lewis just about leveled off with them, actually caught them for a couple of laps in the first stint. And then started hemorrhaging time back out and did that stint when, when Charles went into the wall about 10 seconds off of Max, uh, if I recall correctly. Yeah. So they, they just don't have the raw speed to do it. No. But, I mean, stranger things have happened. After um, all, George Russell got a podium and a Williams.
0: St- drag Daniel Ricardo,
1: Ricardo led a 1-2 at Monza. Look, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. I mean, look.
0: I find it strange how we talk about Mercedes these days. I've said it before. This is this is a team that's got a 103 win driver on it. It's won eight consecutive constructors championships and they're now twerking for seconds and thirds. Like, I I cannot stress this enough. This season's been an unmitigated disaster for Mercedes. A disaster,
2: that's just it. No one it doesn't matter how good you are or who you are or who you have driving for you, nobody is safe. From the big regulation change, no, nobody, no, not in the history of motorsport,
0: no. If you get, if you interpret the rules incorrectly, you will be punished. There is no getting around that in this sport. And look, I said back in Saudi Arabia, I think there was a chance they go winless, and I was laughed out of the podcast on that one. And we are now over halfway through the season, and they, I don't think they look any closer than they did around sort of Monaco sort of time. Um, look, I I think it's incredible that Mercedes, I think almost because of their fan base, will inevitably get a pass for a dreadful season by their standards. This, like, this is a team we evaluate in the context of wins and championships, not podium we finishes. We evaluate
2: them in recent years on how close are they going to get to the McLaren 1988 record.
1: Right, that's right. Yeah, you know, you know, teams would love to have the kind of. There are a lot of teams that would love to have the track record that Mercedes is having right now, but.
2: Mercedes, Mercedes
1: look, we don't grade them on that scale. We no. don't grade them on the scale of like, "Wow, Alpha Romeo would love to have this kind of success." Haas and Williams would love to have this kind of success.
0: When, you, when I think Haas when, would just
2: like to car and not get spun around over and over again. When Nick,
0: when in the pre-cost cap era, this was a team that was spending three hundred million pounds a year on developing their car and developing what is arguably the greatest <laughs> F one car we've ever seen. I mean, twenty sixteen, they won nineteen out of twenty one that year. That's how good this team can be. To be to be jumping up and down over seconds and thirds is a disaster, especially when you have the greatest F1 driver quite possibly we've ever seen, and George Russell, who is a freak talent by all accounts, and is actually fulfilling the promise that he had when he was at Williams two years ago. This is not good enough. Like, like I, people are now
1: starting to turn on George Russell, uh, because he is because he is starting to develop a he's starting to enter his own villain arc.
0: Yeah, because the well, man does uh, the man expects people to dive out of the way when he dive bombs them, because he's an he's an, like again, he's another senna type. He is another ludicrously aggressive defender and attacker. And I thought we liked those sorts of guys, generally speaking, which I think it's a bit weird because Yeah, I thought I thought we all we I thought we all loved these guys. But
2: it's all a matter of perspective because when it's dive when they're dive bombing the driver you like, suddenly it's a, you have a problem with that driving style. Mm-hmm. You see um all the Hamilton fans last year, all the Verstappen fans last year, and oh, yeah. this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because
2: look. uh when you've got two drivers who when you've got drivers who just they race each other the way they race everyone else and they start trading uh, they start trading bodywork, it's not a good look.
1: Yeah, that I think Mercedes gets one win. I'm capping it at one. I can't see any more at this point. And that's just going to be so Hamilton extends his season is consecutive winning season streak. And I that's think about It's it.
2: going to have to be something something on the level of Hungary last year speaking of which we happen to be going there this weekend. Hey. Um it, it has to be something on that level of just crazy shit and mitigating factors and Slow cars holding up other cars because, I mean, especially go- going forward, what tracks suit them besides Suzuka? Good question. Because I- I'm expecting, I'm expecting an unmitigated Red Bull bloodbath around Spa and Monza.
0: Oh yeah, S- speed like like medium speed agil- agility and top end power. Yeah, you're not beating Red Bull around there. Forget it. Cancel Christmas.
1: Zandvoort. the
2: mm. uh, Zan- n- n- Surface is too rough. We it's not that- going
1: to be Singapore. I-, I don't. I don't have a feel for Coda or Mexico City yet. It
2: sure as hell, it's not going to be Coda. <laughs> and it won't be Mexico. Oh now. my god, they might.
0: How strong has Red Bull been at Mexico for the last half decade? They're busted in Mexico. Think-
2: Actually think it could big. be Ferrari in Mexico, given this, given where their car is strong. But it's just this was meant to be like the best possible round for the limitations of the W13, and they're just they just weren't at the races this weekend. Not really. Right.
0: Like Hamilton was ten seconds off the win, and that was considered a good day for Mercedes. Like that, after that, a safety car, after a safety car, so that that should say to me, like you know. They still have a ways to go. They're probably still point four off where they need to be, I I think. Um Well look at uh
2: look at the Did we not get a pretty good example two rounds ago in Austria? A track that doesn't suit the Mercedes, they're still forty one seconds off the win. And yeah. that was a crippled
0: Charles Leclerc with his throttle issue. Um, and Mercs have never been good around Austria. Hmm. They've not always since uh
2: yeah, basically not since 2018, really. Well, yeah. 2020 notwithstanding, that car was good everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it's. Uh, it's <laughs> I still think Mercs are, and I think a lot of their people, the people talking about them are kidding themselves to a degree, thinking maybe this will be the weekend. It's It magically comes together for them. And mm. I think a lot of that is just pro-Hamilton bias. And, you know, people want Hamilton to win, which I understand that, but... This is not it, Chief. The evidence of this season suggests that it's going to be a long shot at best. Um, but you know, we'll see how we go. More than anything, it else. means you
1: can finally make money off of betting uh, Lewis Hamilton to win a race for a change. Value, but, please gamble
0: to swing it please, back to please.
1: Ferrari
2: for a moment.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Lewis, what is it? Lewis has nine podiums. To so Charles's, uh, it's, it's
1: how does Mercedes? With this car, have nearly as many podiums as Ferrari. Some will argue that they're just built different. Um, fellas, um, we may have just seen the final French Grand Prix of modern times. Maybe. We don't know. Uh, because it is looking like uh, there's going to be some changes on the 2023 Formula 1 calendar. Cutter uh, is coming back to the calendar with a brand new... Uh, Street ish circuit in Doha. Mm. Uh, the Chinese Grand Prix at Shanghai wants to come back. We all know that Las Vegas is coming to the calendar with a race on the strip and Kilami Circuit, South Africa, maybe coming back. We know it's coming back soon. It may come back as soon as this year. But we all know the Formula One calendar is thick, very long. Some would say it's too long. And as a result, it's looking like Paul Ricard is going to be chopped for the calendar and an development that. I personally never would have seen coming. The Belgian Grand Prix at Spa could be off next year's calendar. So I want to toss it over to y'all. Do you think the French Grand Prix should stay on the calendar, as well as some of these other historical Grand Prix's, like the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa,
0: also on the cutting block? (sighs) This is a tricky one. Um, Because, like... I believe the current Concord agreement states that the maximum amount of rounds on the calendar is 24. We're at 22 this year with two guaranteed additions for the next year. That takes us to 24. You're right on the limit at that point. Now, as RJ said, um, Kyle is is likely to join at some point. I mean, good. We need another Grand Prix in mainland Africa. I mean, I don't I think that's it, right. We, we just need one. Like, I find it insulting that we call ourselves a world championship and we don't have a, a, a mainland Africa round. Azerbaijan, you don't count. Um, get out, but um, no, um, in general, um, pff, it, it, it's difficult. And I say it's difficult because I didn't really care about this sort of thing until about two or three years ago when I started to realize that look. I think British arrogance regarding its Grand Prix, I find funny a lot of the time that people think it's the greatest Grand Prix on the calendar. Most well-traveled fans I know say that's just a flat-out lie and it's ludicrously expensive. I mean, I know people that have gone there, couples, couples. For the weekend. As, oh, to be clear, as a
1: Silverstone has a, an incredible historical cachet, and also the British Grand Prix is prohibitively expensive for all but the most financially reckless people. Yeah. At least from an outsider's perspective.
0: But it also draws 140,000 people on race day, which no other Grand Prix on the calendar does. It's, it's the number one round on the calendar for attendance. Pe- people will remortgage their houses and take up finance plans to buy Silverstone tickets. And the fans are always hyped as shit for the British Grand Prix. They're probably all drunk given it's given it's Great Britain at two in the afternoon, but still, it counts. Like <laughs> and look, it, it's a Grand Prix that's always going to be a risk because it's one of the few Grand Prix on the calendar that the British government does not back. Um, it does not fund it. It's funded by the British Racing Drivers Club and they lost money on this every year, uh, which says a lot about Silverstone that it has like a 140,400k plus weekend that traveled. Well, a weekend in circus of a race and it still loses money every year. France is the home of Grand Prix racing. It needs a round on the calendar. I don't know how you can call yourself the pinnacle of motorsport as a series and the greatest spectacle in racing when you rip that name away from the in Indianapolis and you don't have the home of Grand Prix racing on the calendar. Maybe not Paul Ricard as it's not the best. It, it was a test circuit. It's, it logistically... Is, is infrastructure-like one, because there's only one road in and one road out, and that is a huge problem. It's a logistical nightmare to have a Grand Prix Paul Ricard. I completely understand that. But we need a Grand Prix in France, and there's also talk that Spa might go as well. And look... Yeah, that one's a surprise to me, because that's a second home
1: race for Mats Verstappen. And we all know the Orange Army turns out... Anywhere that's nearby,
2: not to mention doing major renovations at the top of Radion, pretty much as a direct result of the F2 crash here a couple years ago, which of course claimed the life of Antoine Hubert,
1: and that's and that's something that we needed. And and just I'm thinking, just from like a spectator standpoint, it's like it's not like spa or like hurting. I mean, I know know they're not doing the absolute best financially, but you got to feel like. They're not necessarily hurting for, like, attendance. No. They'll no. Get the, in that sense. And, they'll get the fans. And, and,
2: oh. and it just, it feels odd that we'd be losing Spa. Yeah.
1: It has happened in our lifetimes before. It dropped off in 2003 because of, uh, I believe it was a disagreement over uh, tobacco sponsorships, largely. And then there was, like, a year, like, shortly after. I think it was 2006, where they were still, like, renovating the track to give us that new bus stop that we don't like among other changes it's not unprecedented we've been without suzuka for a couple of years yeah. but and, and i would hope that this is like if it is off the calendar for a year that like that's it but we are starting to get to the point where like yeah we're this calendar is too big and we might have to start rotating out events
0: like biannually the thing is, is, that like I, I've seen people like you and Chain Bear suggest the like the rotating slot calendar. Maybe keep it to twenty rounds and have maybe four or five rotational slots. I completely, look, I, I'm not massively against that model. The issue I have with it is that a lot of these tracks are struggling to make money. As it is, yeah. a lot of them are lo- a lot of them are losing money most times they host these events. Making them biannual is only going to further increase the financial pressure on these places when they know they're only getting their guaranteed F1 bag once every two years. Oh, no, you're definitely right there. That's the problem I have with it. So you've already had multiple stories over the years of tracks struggling. We don't race in Turkey anymore, not really, besides the pandemic. We don't race in Germany anymore because both their tracks were struggling financially with the Nürburgring and, and Hockenheim was
1: just trying to like spitball ideas of Mm. like because there's got to be a better way to do this right because we don't want to lose like we don't want to lose events that have significance and also have the potential to make like a shit ton of money Mm. but we also realize that like you know formula one is not always just going to do business in the places where you have all that historical they're going to want to break into new markets, and sometimes those new markets don't have much of a motorsport history. And sometimes those new markets are pretty much just up front for money laundering. We get it. <laughs> Hello Vegas. Oh, we got. Oh, and we got to make. We got to make sure that you know this all fits within enough rounds where you don't burn
0: everybody on every team out. We've already gotten to that point. That's part of the problem here. Yeah, like, we're
1: we're already past that.
0: Point. Let, 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 let's not forget. Last year we raced two two weeks before Christmas and that was it's i still I, i've got a written piece talking about that in my work bag that i took from my work computer that i've still not posted yet i probably will during the summer break but and the uh, the main art, the point of that article was how much is too much because i we heard horror stories last year about mechanics on painkillers covid tests being skipped and you know just the idea of physical and mental burnout from being away from your families for months at a time. And I know it's a hard job, I'm not disputing that, but when you're talking 24 rounds, when you were talking, if it it wasn't for Russia's cancellation, you'd have had three triple headers down the stretch this year. Like that's crazy. It's unsustainable. Like you're going to break people by doing this. Yeah.
1: Like. And again, I want to point this out because sometimes because this is somebody's first podcast. NASCAR has 36 races because it's a national series and, and the logistics are far less of a fucking uh, tightrope gymnastics act.
2: Yeah, the, worst, the worst that we have to deal with really with NASCAR is having Daytona to start the year and then having to go all the way out to the West Coast. After that, it kind of levels
0: out. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, the, there is... Huge, like I, I'm. I already think the Formula One calendar, as it is, is probably three or four rounds too many. I think twenty is really should be your upper limit. I think I think we were fine at twenty. The fact it's probably going to be twenty four next year is terrifying to me. That and the fact that you know, last season we went to the end of December. This year we're not. Um, we're not quite in December territory, but they've crammed a lot more rounds into that time window to get it in in time. That's only going to expand again if we go into 24 rounds for the year. And like, I don't want it to become NASCAR because then you're going to start to have fans picking and choosing what races are important. And if we get to that point, like like, like what Mixed Martial Arts used to do back in the, like their boom period at the end of the 2000s, you're going to have races that don't feel special. And I think that is even more reason why you've got to get the established historical rounds of the history and they should be taking priority more than anything else. Like I, I love the fact that the sport wants to expand. I like the fact that it wants to go to new places to a degree, but at the same time, like it shouldn't be coming at the expense of rounds like France and Belgium. For example, those are core audiences for you. Like, i like, the French are as hardcore a motorsport crowd as you get in Europe. We, we saw it MotoGP earlier this year at Le Mans, where we had we a hundred five thousand every Fabio. year. Yeah, right. Every year,
2: every race at Le Mans, the twenty four hours for cars, the twenty four hours for bikes, and the Grand Prix, always a huge crowd.
0: Hundred thousand plus. Yeah, hundred thousand plus every time. Without that, uh, was a hundred five thousand this loved- year. <laughs>
1: they love their motorsport the belgians love their motorsport and i've already talked about the verstappen effect and what it's had to where it's again it's basically a second home race for the orange army
0: yeah you know it's it's how it goes man and and, yeah i i just hope they they're able to find a way to get the balance right um because uh it's not going to be ideal to say the least um but uh I, I, I believe you need to protect the rounds that you know people are going to go to. I think you need to protect the rounds that are mainstays. But I also understand yeah. that this is not, it's not a straightforward question. And there should... Yeah,
1: auth- it's not as straightforward. Like, I, I'm i a big proponent of just, like, my dream proposal will just be to, like, have have your have your traditional Grand Slam events. Suzuka, Monaco... Is that skipping? Silverstone, Monaco, Spa, uh, Monza. I guess you could swap out Monica for Suzuka, I guess. I wouldn't mind that. But you just you just sequester off four really big events, mm. add in like an additional prize, make those the Sprint Weekends or something. Do something to make those feel more special, like the Grand Slam of tennis, the Grand Slam of golf, the Winston Million back in the day.
2: Noble Five.
1: Yeah, something like that. I know, I know, it's not as easy because Formula One does not. Formula One also doesn't want to think that like any one event is more important than the other, even though
2: like even though that's all they talk hard. about with certain events.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're not any different in format, except for some of them. <laughs> yeah, good luck juggling all of that one, but uh, yeah, that'll do it for the French Grand Prix talk. And uh, yeah, sending our sending our best wishes to Charles Leclerc. Hopefully, his voice box recovers by the Hungarian Grand Prix, which is this weekend. Um, yeah, that'll be the final race before Formula One goes on a four-week summer break. Um, critical round, you might feel, for Ferrari in terms of the vibes in the championship. Hey, given, um, given the state of that
2: car, mm. if they don't come out of here with the win, liquidate the entire
0: haunts. And at least look, at least that way, it wouldn't sound quite so bad to say, hey, at least we went into the break winning three out of the last four. Like that's like that's not a bad that's not a bad graphic no matter which way you slice it but you know it's just the vibes are off that's all so yeah critical rounded feel coming up for Formula One this weekend the Hungarian Grand Prix this weekend um, you know uh, looking forward to Seb's inevitable rainbow gear that's always a highlight because. Uh, Hungary's government can go fuck itself. Um, But um, anyway, Hungarian Grand Prix this weekend. Check that out if you haven't already. Our next episode will be the IndyCar doubleheader at Iowa and, well, everything in between because we're recording this on Wednesday 27th of July. And, well, if you are keen on your news, you you know what big breaking news dropped today regarding (laughs) not the corn. Not not the corn. Beyond the corn. About the, the the corniness of a certain contract-disputed driver named Alex. More of that soon. But uh, yeah, more of that coming up real soon. But until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Cam Buckley. And now I'm going to get a massager for RJ's voice box. Sayonara!
1: Later, y'all. Congratulations, Jonas Vengergaard, of winning the Men's Tour de France this year. Yay! Yes, we are. Uh, ostensibly, uh, uh, ostensibly a cycling podcast.
0: Of course.
2: So, who gets the prancing Hans's
0: head in the bed? Oh, Kimmy Rocket and clearly like... Excuse He's... me.
1: NASCAR legend, Kimmy Rocket house's own joining joy joining NASCAR legend Danny Cafiyette
2: <laughs> and NASCAR legend a clear piece of tape on each side of two Joe Gibbs cars
0: <laughs>
1: call us Danny
0: <laughs>